A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fools. This also is vanity. Surely oppression drives the wise into madness, and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance and advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money and the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? And we'll leave it there. So you might say, you might be old enough to remember the old days. The good old days when apparently uh, the summer lasted all summer long. And when it snowed, boy, it was six foot deep. And people cared about each other a lot more. But you may also be wise enough to, to know that our memories can deceive us. You'll realise that we can be very selective in the things that we store in that photo album in our mind. We have nice memories and we often convince ourselves that that was the norm. The author of this book has some of that kind of wisdom. He's told us a couple of times uh, that things don't really change. There's nothing new under the sun, he says. Every person in every generation should be able to see that their life is a mixture of good and bad things. The theme I want to pick up on today is based around verses 8 to 10. Those few verses. The theme is really looking forward. Looking forward. Because this guy, Kohelet, would remind us there's nothing we can change about the past. We should instead focus on what comes next. In verse 10 there, he envisages someone asking the question, why were the former days better than these? Why were the old days better? And he insists that it isn't wise to think that way. He exhorts us to look forward. 
in our own lives to look forward as a church and for all of us to look forward to the world to come my family like most families we like to reminisce about you know uh, our, our lives lives of the children and of course we don't get photo albums out anymore photo albums are upstairs in the drawer somewhere now the photos and the videos now are on the television and it, to be honest it's better isn't it it's better on the big television and although it's fair to say everyone has things in their past they'd rather forget <laughs> i have a lot uh, we, we, we somehow manage to, you know, we, we look at these old photos and we, we manage to focus on the memories that make us uh, feel, feel better, feel good. The issue today isn't about fond memories, that's fine. This is about nostalgia, where you live in the present but your heart is in the past. I know something of this, I, I bet I'm not the only person who's had fantasies about getting in a time machine and, and going back to some better days. Someone my age might want to go back to the 70s because we think it was so great then and wasn't. <laughs> it was just, but that, that's how you think about it. This, this year isn't even, uh, it's not about denying our good memories that they exist and you know some things were better in the past and also it's good to give thanks to God for mercies in the past what he doesn't want us to do is to spend time lamenting about it his mercies whether they're in the form of prosperity or affliction they last for a very specific length of time. And then God introduces the next stage of his purposes for your life. We're to look forward. And I'd like today's um, uh, lesson, if you like, from the scriptures to be about avoiding unhealthy nostalgia. And I have three examples, and the first one is this. It's nostalgia about health. Nostalgia about our health. Most people here today, except for a few of the young ones at the back there, most people would say they've enjoyed better health in the past than they, they do today. As we get older, we become like an old car, maybe. We, uh, you know, we see things wear out. They stop working properly. Things start creaking. Sometimes we can get replacement parts, replacement parts, and we can. That can change lives, you know. Uh, then we can go on. We can say, right, I'm going to eat a healthy diet. I'm going to take those multivitamins every day and we can get some exercise and with our new parts and with better maintenance 
well then we can regain some of our mobility and some of our vigour. But let's not kid ourselves here. We're merely postponing the inevitable because the natural processes of this life will have their way. It's no wonder then that we pine for the health and the strength and the fitness that we enjoyed when we were younger. Now if you look around you'll see that your experience has much in common with the rest of the people in this world. It's common to man. But we shouldn't think that all these things are going to happen whether God's involved in our lives or not. There's no such thing as a reality where God is not involved. There's no such thing as God being only partly involved in our lives. He's at the centre. So even though we call these processes natural, because they're common, we need to remember that both the vigour of our youth and the deterioration in us in later years, all of it is orchestrated by God. We know this because, well, we've just been looking at a man who's complaining and nearly dead and I'm only 130. <clears throat> when God wanted a man to live for hundreds of years, it happened. When God wanted an infant to perish, just a few months old, it happened. And when God wanted an elderly woman of 80 to get pregnant, it happened. She gave birth. Just three examples there from the Bible to make sure we don't forget that our days are in God's hands. If the God who gave you good health has now given you poor health, well, you just acknowledge it. You, you pray to God he'd teach you in it. Our state of health varies. Uh, we drift. We drift into ill health and it's like a sort of, it's like a wave which moves away from us on the beach. But then, like the next wave that comes in, our health revives. Soon it wanes again and then it revives and so it continues for decades we catch colds we get better we break a leg it heals but even with all this going forth think about the picture of the tide now even though you see it going backwards and forwards for decades the tide is most certainly going out it may be gradual, but that fluctuation in our health sadly is on a downward trend. Yet, God wouldn't have us wanting the better days back again. For one thing, you're not going to get them. You can wish and you can pray all you want, you're not going to get them back again. Now I've just said, God can decide to let you live an active life for 500 years if he wants to. But I can guarantee you he's not going to do that. He wants you to accept 
the condition you're in today and the condition that lies ahead that all these things are part of his purposes it was said to Simon Peter by Jesus how he was going to die he said this is how you're going to glorify God what? Peter was going to be at a stage where he couldn't even dress himself and, and he was going to glorify God in that makes no sense but all of it is part of God's purposes he'd have us all try to keep looking ahead now if I live to be a hundred well you know there's not going to be there's not going to be very much ahead anyway is there I'd be pushing it already but I'm still to have that attitude of looking forward if he lets me wake up another day I'll pray to God he uses me that he will use me that he will show me how I can serve my family serve the church and serve God verse 8 compares those who are proud with those who are patient they don't seem like opposites but young people who don't have God as their father they'll often be proud they'll often um, they'll be proud of how much vigour they have proud that they are now stepping onto the stage Confident of a long life. Confident that they're the generation that's going to sort everything out. They're often proud. But by comparison, we have the patient person. We might think about maybe an older person. They're fully aware of all that we've been speaking about. They accept their fate. More, more accurately, they accept the will of God for them. And with patience, they look forward with hope, knowing that God will continue to care for them. They'll be patiently looking forward to serving God in whatever years he has ahead of them. They'll patiently look forward to the blessed hope that the worn out frame that goes into the grave that will be transformed at the resurrection and they'll patiently look forward to then to a future of perfect health perfect health in the future another type of nostalgia is about morality nostalgia about the right and wrong attitudes of this world. <clears throat> it wasn't like this in the old days, my mum used to say. You didn't have to worry about leaving your door open and there was a real sense of community. My mum wasn't lying exactly, of course. Um, it's like I said earlier, she was viewing the past 
through rose-tinted glasses. Like many people, she'd say people's behaviour is getting worse and worse and our, our country is in moral decline. And it, it's, no, it's no wonder even people in the church lament how bad things are becoming. There's evidence around us to show how this is all turning into some type of clown world. I don't watch the news, but when I do, I don't like what I see. I find that people who riot and destroy buildings and kill people are, are praised. People who believe they are something different from what they actually are, well, they're, they're held up as brave on the television. And then we see people who adhere to a, a completely alien, a false religion, and we see them making inroads in our country. And I could go on and on. And the more we worry about these things, the more angry we can get. Even Christians, even Christians start to feel hostility towards our enemies. We can start to despise criminals. I know, I mean, I know I, I have. Verse 9 reminds us to, to have self-control. We shouldn't be people who get angry quickly. There's also... There's also a, a theological element to, to, to this issue because it, it is, it's a widely held, held belief in the church that the return of Jesus will be preceded by uh, a time of decline and great trouble. That's one of the interpretations. Um, not that my opinion means much in the grand scheme of things, but I think that view is, is uh, shaky. Uh, when we look at the scriptures now it may go that way I might be wrong it might go exactly like that or leading up to his return there could be a worldwide revival for a century or maybe when he returns it will be just like it's always been some areas suffering from war and others enjoying peace Famine in one country and plenty in another. Morality deteriorating in some ways and improving in others. But because there's this general tendency to think things are going to get worse before the Saviour comes to rescue us, each generation has thought it could be the last one. You can go back a thousand years and the church was pointing to the decline in their day the decline in morality as evidence that Jesus was about to return it's always been the same this is perhaps why believers today commonly refer to the bad things today as proof that it's near the end and let's face it we want to be the generation that sees the end. We want it to be true. We really, we want to hear an almighty noise. We want to rush out into the street to see what it is. 
and actually see the beginnings of the unfolding of the return of Christ? Of course we do. The author of this book, through the inspiration of God, says to us, things have always been the same. The details change from country to country. But there's always been good and bad things happen. So you can see perhaps now why it's unwise to pick the good bits from the old days and then focus on the bad bits today. It leads to a, a distorted view. And we can begin to um, we can begin to long for things that the way they were. Whereas the Lord would have us to look forward. We're to look past the day-to-day -day details and the changes. And we're to see the bigger picture. Every year that passes, the word of God is being translated into new languages and placed into the hands of people who've never been able to read it for themselves. Never mind that every day that passes sees the addition of more people to God's kingdom. And so the running total of the redeemed is just getting bigger and bigger. We're to look forward to that period between today and the coming Messiah. And we're to look forward with hope. We continue to pray. We pray... Thy will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. That's our prayer. We don't want the old days back. We want the days ahead to be better. And furthermore, pastor, we look forward to the big finale when all God's people get to live forever in a perfectly righteous a morally perfect world to come. I'll give you one more example of nostalgia that is unhelpful. Nostalgia about the church. Nostalgia about the church. Now if there's one type of nostalgia which is very particular to God's people, it's nostalgia about the way the church used to be. And Many people in the, the, so the generation before me, so the people in 70s and 80s and, and 90s, they will often have experienced times when churches were full of people. Right. In almost every church I've been through since my conversion, I've heard these thrilling stories about packed churches, people having to arrive early just to get a seat. Standing room only, people in the foyer, people even outside, craning the necks to try and take part. And now, those same churches are almost empty. And of course, it makes people sad to see the difference. Some churches were as full as they say, and many of those same churches 
are now poorly attended in comparison. And who wouldn't want to see more people come into the church? But you can see that this is the same way of thinking as before, and it's unwise. It's romanticising the past and emphasising the negative aspects of the present situation. Like I said, this way of looking at things is nothing new. Every generation has done the same. And as an example, I want to take you back over 2,000 years to Ezra chapter 3 and verses 11 and 12. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation being laid. A new temple was being built to replace the original one which had been destroyed. And that first one was an outstanding piece of architecture which glorified God in its magnificence, Solomon's temple. And some of the people here were old enough to remember that original temple. And now they saw the foundation stones going down for the new one. And they realised just how small it was going to be. And they cried their eyes out. Now whether it's people in Liverpool churches today, or the old men in this story, or the Hebrews who moaned it was better in the old days in Egypt, they all forget the purposes of God. He raises up congregations for a season. After this, at the appointed time, those congregations vanish. All the churches founded by the apostles have gone. There's nothing there. And the God who founded A.C. Mitchell Church, he brought it into existence and he gave it people. He will eventually shut it down. Might not be in next year. Might be 500 years. It is not going to last forever. Every generation of believers will experience uh, difficulties and uh, greater opportunities and various from place to place. But brethren, you know, God does not fail. God doesn't fail. He's carrying out his purposes for his creation down to the tiniest detail. And it's our job to just bow down before him and praise him for him. I was reminded of Job, Job's experience. He lost everything, of course. He started to quiz God. He started to quiz God about why he's brought all this trouble on him. And after listening to Job for quite a while, God responds 
God responds quite forcefully. He says, where were you? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you when all the angels were singing for joy at my creation? And he went on and on. Do you have control over the dinosaurs? Can you bring lightning and hail from heaven? Answer me. And the speech of the Lord was relentless. And it brought Job to a place of absolute humility. God didn't even address many of Job's, uh, any of Job's questions. He, he didn't reason with Job about the, his, his theories that he was developing. He simply brought into a place where Job understood he had to submit to an all-powerful, all-wise God who did everything according to the, uh, his divine will. And friends, we serve the exact same God. A God who is mysterious in his dealings with us. He's not going to explain what he's doing with this church now. He's not going to tell us his plans for this church in the future. He simply wants us to get on with the task at hand and look forward. It says here in Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10. This is tied in with the temple story I mentioned earlier. Zechariah 4 and 10 says, For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice. Now we shouldn't want to be one of those people who despise the years of what we think is spiritual famine because Zechariah's day of small things was just one of the many milestones on the road to the coming of Christ. So imagine if we were to bemoan our position today only to experience a great blessing tomorrow that God's been preparing all this time. How would we feel? How would we feel knowing that we've lost faith? We've lost faith in God for that while. Let's not forget this as well. When people talk to you about what they might call, you know, the glory days or the good old days of the church, it might be in the 50s or the 60s, and they might express disappointment with the present situation, it's not only that they are effectively despising what they have now, they also have a very narrow-minded view. I'll, I'll explain why. During the same period, if you have witnessed a decline in numbers in Liverpool churches, during the exact same period of that decline, the numbers in the churches in China have increased dramatically. It's possible China now has more Christians in its country than any country in the world. If it carries on like this, there will be more Christians in China alone than in the rest of the world combined. He's a mysterious God. 
that sound like a day of small things? It does if you just look past the end of your nose. It's not a day of small things at all. It's God doing things differently. For this church, we need to be positive. We need to trust in God. We need to look forward. And we should do so with a, with a real sense of excitement about what God is going to do. We hope to see him do great things for this congregation. And if we see him pouring blessings out on the church down the road, well, we'll rejoice with them. Because God will bless us still. No matter how old or young you are, God is calling you to work for him. Now, what you will do, what you can do, will be different from what someone else can do. But work, you must. And we do it with patience. Those of us who've had, who've had our sins forgiven through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ will know what's on the horizon. We look ahead beyond this life. We who form part of that great multitude, that dwelling place of God, that house of God, will get to see a state of existence which is better than now and better than any time in the past. Haggai chapter 2 verse 9 The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former says the Lord of hosts and in this place I will give peace declares the Lord of hosts we look forward together for God's plans for us Amen